Hello, welcome. Have you ever considered amnesia? Having amnesia, what a pain that would be. I had a teacher in high school who taught chemistry, didn't really think much of it. Well, when my daughter started high school, she had my old teacher. He had been teaching for quite a while at this time. Sometime between the time that I was in school and the time that my daughter was in school, he had had a pretty severe car accident. And the car accident had left his brain damaged in such a way that he had lost all ability to record short-term memory. The cool thing about this was is he had long-term memory. So it didn't impact his ability to teach chemistry because the chemistry concepts were all still there. The teaching was all still there. But he told the students that he would not remember their names and there would be limitations to his ability to retain short-term memory. That alone seemed like a huge hurdle and yet it didn't impact his life severely because he had taught for so long it was well ingrained in his long-term memory. So it did not impact his full ability to function in life. He remembered how to drive a car and how to cook his favorite foods and do the general normal everyday things. Full amnesia, you forget everything. And today we're gonna talk about identity and what identity is and what identity means. Welcome to Living Brightly with Elaine Cross. Today, we're gonna to talk about identity. What begins with I? Identity. You have your name, you have your profession, you have the things you like, the things you don't like. But who are you? You have many titles. You might be a brother, a sister, a mother, a father, an aunt, an uncle, a niece, or a nephew. But who are you? What is your identity? We are gonna talk about that because to live brightly, you need to know who you are and whose you are. Welcome to the show. So losing your short-term memory or the ability to retain short-term memory sounds very difficult to live with. And yet not any more so than learning how to live without a leg or something. You adapt, you rework your lifestyle, and you keep going. In 1980, Robert Ludlum wrote a book called Born Identity. And in 2002, they turned it into an action thriller movie. Now, I don't know if you've seen the movie Born Identity or not. It is certainly a more of an action movie than a thriller. It's certainly not a scary movie, unless you consider not knowing who you are a scary concept, which is what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> In this movie, it starts and he's floating in the sea. Some fishermen see him, it's storming outside, and they drag him onto the deck. They think he's dead, but they realize he's alive. The captain notices that he is shot. He cuts off his wetsuit and begins to remove bullets from his back. And then he finds this scar, and under the scar, so he finds this microchip, a laser source, and he directs it toward the wall and he reads it's a Swiss bank account. He, the person who was in the water, then gets healthy and getting stronger and stronger, but he doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know anything about himself. Looking at the charts and trying to decide where he's at, the captain notices that there are some knots tied in a piece of rope. And he's like, oh, who tied these knots? He's like, it's coming back. 
who we know to become Jason Bourne, looks at him and he says, no, it's not coming back. He said, just like I can, I can read, I can write, I can add, I can subtract, I can make coffee. I just do it. I don't know how or why. I can just do it. I don't know anything. I don't know who I am. So they take him, drop him off in the port, and slowly he discovers he has two names, but he thinks the primary name is Jason Bourne, who lives in Paris. And it doesn't take long for people to come and try and kill him. Now, that's a pretty scary reality. But even more scary is the first moment he realizes that he can fight people. And I mean, like, fight people. He made his way to Switzerland to get to this bank to find out what was deposited in the bank. He fell asleep on a park bench. Well, of course, you're not allowed to sleep in the park at night. So two police officers come up to him and say, hey, you got to get up. Where's your papers? Well, he starts speaking their language. And he did this a little bit on the boat. So he knows now that he can speak several languages. They were asking for his papers. He doesn't have any papers. He doesn't know who he is. One of the officers pokes him with a nightstick and he grabs the nightstick and he looks at the nightstick. And it's in that looking at the nightstick, that poking, that he realized he could knock these guys out. And he does. He proceeds to knock them out. He breaks down the gun, drops it in the snow, runs off and drops his coat. I'm not sure why he drops his coat. And this sets up the movie. He doesn't know anything. At this point, he doesn't even know his name is Jason Bourne. We find that out in the bank. Who are you? Have you lost your identity? No. Most of us know who we are. At least we know our name. We know where we live. We know our title. It might be Mr. It might be Mrs. It might be Miss. It might be Doctor. It might be Your Honor. It may be Sir. It may be Lady. We have lots of titles. Maybe you're the assistant to the executive. Maybe you're the executive. Maybe you're mom. We all have titles. We all have things that we do in our life that kind of define who we are. Is that our identity? Is knowing our identity important to live brightly? Yes, identity is important to live brightly. When we are first born and we start to develop our individuality and stretch our wings, if you will, and try out different things, we find things that we are drawn to. And it's interesting because the things that we are very good at and find very easy, sometimes we push aside those easy things and go after something that has a little bit more challenge to it. We want something to work for, to strive for. You don't become a lawyer. You don't become a doctor. Frankly, you don't become a parent without working very hard at trying to figure out what and how to do it because those things are not easy. There is a struggle, a challenge in doing those things. But is that who you are? Your name, your date of birth tell part of a story. The titles that you have tell another part of your story. And the skills and talents that you have tell an even deeper story. You may be really good with numbers and you may be really good at organization Because you have these two skills, you decide to go to school and become a CPA, a certified public accountant, because you're really good with numbers and organizing. Or maybe you decide to start a company, be an entrepreneur and become a CEO. Or because of these skills, you decide you want to be a teacher. 
Now, regardless of whether you become a CPO, a CEO, or a professor, you still have those skills and talents. Your skills and talents are a better indicator of who you are, your identity, than the title CEO, CPA, or professor. Because any of those roles, any of those titles could go away. And then you would be you, still you, with the same talents and skills. And you could step into any number of roles that use those skills and those talents. That your identity is more in what you know and what you can do versus the title that you have. Titles come and go. Your skills, like Jason Bourne, stay. And Jason Bourne was trying to figure out what to do with all these skills he had because they were pretty significant. And he didn't know who he was, and he didn't know what he was, and he didn't know where he belonged. He spoke many languages. He could read many languages. He couldn't quite jump a building in a single bound, but he could certainly do some pretty crazy stuff that I've never been able to do. And frankly, most of us have never been able to do. Who does God say that you are? Who are you from God's perspective? When we looked at believer, we talked about the fact that that you are uniquely, purposefully, intentionally created by the hand of God. Right now, what I want you to do is hold your hand up in front of you with the palm facing you and look at your fingertips. You have fingerprints. Your fingerprints are yours alone. No one else in the world ever has had nor ever will have your fingerprints. Even a twin has unique fingerprints. The next time you're in front of a mirror, look at your eye. Your eye is like a fingerprint. It is uniquely, purposefully yours alone. There is no other eye exactly like your eye. This is a wonder. These are things that people never even considered until modern medicine. And I will again reiterate that science and the study of this world is all an effort to understand how God created things to be. So as science has advanced and our learning and knowledge and wisdom has expanded, we discover these things like fingerprints and retinas that are unique to each person. When Jason Bourne went to the bank in Switzerland, he gave the number, but then he had to do a whole hand scan. He put his hand on a tablet and it scanned his hand. And after it scanned, you know, the lights went around it. He pulled his hand off and then each fingerprint popped. And that gave the green light that he was who he said he was. And it was at that point when he identified his fingerprint that he got access to what was in the bank account. In the bank account was a lot of money, several passports with different names on them, a gun, which he left behind, and some other things. When he put his hand on that screen, that triggered the CIA in the United States to know that he had shown back up because he'd been missing. When we identify who we are in God, it's almost like hell gets alerted that you have woken up at least partially. The last thing that our enemy wants is for us to be active and know who we really are. 
that we are believers in Jesus Christ, that we have put our faith in what he did on the cross and believe what God says in his word, that we are an heir, we are co-laborers, we are sons and daughters of God because of Jesus Christ. We are God's children, that we are his, and that we have access to everything that he provides for us. We have his power, his provision, his plan, his purpose. And when we walk in his power and his strength, there is no weapon formed against us that can prevail. As we figure out our identity, you can understand why it's so important to know from who that identity comes. So by establishing this foundation of knowing what we believe and who we believe in, resting, which means fully trusting in him, leaning not on our own skills, our own understanding, our own wisdom, but leaning into God, reveals to us our true identity, not as a pawn or as a weak, useless toy or pet, but as a partner with Christ. God calls us to partner with him. But in order to partner with him, we have to know who we are. We have to fully rest in him. And we have to know who God is if we're going to partner with God. Our identity is not just your name. In Revelations, God says he will give us a new name. He gave us an example of that in his Bible. Abram became Abraham. Sarai became Sarah. Jacob became Israel. Simon became Peter, the rock the rock on which he would build his church. Knowing who you are and whose you are is vital to partnering with God and doing what he has called you to do with the unique gift, skills, talents that he's given you. And as we step into that role and we use the gifts and the skills and the talents that he's given us, he gives us more because we have access to his power and his provision and his protection making us a very, very big threat to our enemy. There is an enemy that seeks to destroy us. And before you become a believer, before you put your faith in God, you're not of much account to Satan. He doesn't really care because you're not going anywhere. And you're kind of lost, floating on the sea, going about your business, doing your own thing. Now, all the while, The Holy Spirit is drawing you to God because everybody at the point of salvation has a story that they can identify where God had started to call them, where God allowed things to happen to make them look up to him, look to him. Frankly, we don't much seek God when things are going well because, well, things are going well. But when things start to crumble, tragedy happens, we look to God because we know we need help. And it's a normal reaction because there is a built-in radio, if you will, radio receiver that wants to be in tune and have a clear connection with God. And we get that upon salvation. We get that upon believing in the finished work of Christ on the cross. And then we have to kind of figure out exactly who we are. When you accept Christ and you accept what he did on the cross, the Bible says that you died with Christ. When we believe in Christ and we make that step, 
The first part of our identity is recognizing we are both flesh and spirit. We are both physical and spiritual. And the Bible says that when we believe, we accept Jesus Christ's death as a substitutionary punishment for our sins. And he says that we died in Christ. Our old self died in Christ. And now we live through Christ. So you are a new person, which is why we call it being born again, which comes from Jesus's discussion with Nicodemus. And Nicodemus says, what, am I supposed to go into my mother's womb and be born again? Or some some kind of ridiculous statement. Jesus is, is basically saying, it's not your physical, it's your spiritual. You have to die. The old man dies and the new man then lives in its place. And the cool thing about having a new man becoming a new person when you accept Christ is all the old, all the sin, all the the previous identity is dead. You're not just regenerated in Christ, you're regenerated in Christ. Now, physically, you may not have a new gene set, but you have a new gene identity. You have a new life. We experience things and we believe them to be true. So when our beliefs are inaccurate, then we often will live out of those inaccurate beliefs. Jason Bourne wanted to be peaceful, gentle. He did not want to kill anyone, but people kept coming after him throughout the movie and trying to kill him, trying to get rid of him because he held the key to who they were. So they were very threatened by him. And this is how our enemy views us. We know the truth. We know that when we accept Jesus and we become a new person, when I became a new man, I knew the power of the lies that I had been told and I had believed could not stand against the truth that God was offering. What I didn't understand and what you may not understand is how evasive those lies can be. I became a believer through a process. It wasn't a quick one and done for me. Yes, I have a day that I remember when I said the sinner's prayer, and maybe you do too, or maybe you don't. Maybe you don't know at all what I'm talking about. When you come to a place and you realize that you do not have the strength, the wisdom, the power to fix all that is not working well, and you can admit that there are many things that you have done that you should not have done. Maybe you stole something. Maybe you lie. Maybe you killed somebody. Maybe you manipulated a situation for your personal gain. Those are all sin. Maybe there are things in your life that you failed to do that you should have. You do not honor your parents. You do not help the poor and the needy. You avoid people when you know they're struggling because you don't want to be asked to help them. And if they do ask you for help, you kind of make excuses. That too is sin. And when we admit we're a sinner, when we admit that there are things in this life that we can't quite understand and we need God's help and we want God's help, we reach out and we say, God, help me. 
And when we realize all that Christ did on the cross as a way to make a payment for our sin, for the things that we did that we shouldn't have done, for the things that we didn't do that we should have done, and Jesus says, I will gladly pay the price for you because the price is death and all you have to do is believe and die with me. And then I will raise you to a new life and make you a new person, a new person in me, in Jesus. And there's no special prayer. There's no special series of words. It's all about a heart relationship with God. And when we reach out to God and we say, please, I believe in Jesus and I need your help. Lord, come into my life. Help me. Jesus, come into my heart and let me lean on you for your strength because I can't bear this alone anymore. It would be nice to have that truly born again experience, to have a slate that has been wiped clean. And although punishment for those sins are wiped clean because they've been paid for in Christ, which is death, death is a death is a weird word. The wages of sin is death. We think of death as a human being when our body dies, but death represents more than just the physical because we're both physical and spiritual. Death of the physical body separates you from the death from the rest of the people that you love and care for that are still alive. And we think of that as death, but that's only part. Yes, our physical body dies. But our spirit can die as well if we don't believe in God. And it becomes a total separation. And one of the worst form of punishment that we can ever devise is isolation, solitary confinement. It was very popular in the 80s to use time out with children. And we have learned it should not be done in total isolation. They may need to sit in a chair or apart from all the other activity, but they need to be able to see other people and hear other people and know that they are still part of the family. They are still part of the community, even though they are just taking a minute to get their head together. The wages of sin is death, is this whole concept of being so totally isolated and separated that you can't even hear yourself. People who have been put in solitary confinement for too long go insane. That is the type of death that God is talking about when he says the wages of sin is death, isolated from everything good and positive, everything light and joyful, people, memories of people, being with people. That is death. So when we get born again and we accept Jesus and we become a new creature, but as long as we're living physically in this world, everything we have done does not get wiped away. It doesn't all just disappear as much as we would like it. Most of us have consequences due to our choices and our behavior. We still have to figure out how to clean up our mess that we made either before we were a believer or even since we were a believer. Because although we are a new creature, we may still be operating out of old habits, old patterns until the Holy Spirit teaches us and we start to learn to behave differently, to act differently, to treat people differently. A lot of those patterns, those consequences will continue. And as we learn to behave differently and we start to change our patterns, 
then we see this transformation in our life. Some of those poor choices and poor behaviors are directly linked to who we think we are or who we, better yet, believe ourselves to be. We really need to know who God is and who God says he is for us and who God says we are. Knowing who we are is something that we also need to clarify because there are things that we have heard, things that we have done, things that we have seen that have set a pattern in our mind and in our soul that make us think this is who we are. This is who I am. I'm not smart. I'm not good at that. I don't have the ability to fill in the blank. When you have these old records that play in your mind, telling you who you're not, or how you're limited, or what your parents said about you, what your siblings said about you, what your teachers said about you, all those things can impact how you really see yourself. So figuring out who you are and who God created you to be requires a little bit of unearthing or peeling back the layers like an onion to figure out who you really are, who God created you to be before you ever said a word, before you ever picked up a toy, before your mother or father ever said a word to you. Jason Bourne at the end is told his name, his real name is David Webb. It was not Jason Bourne, nor any of the other names on all of the other passports that he had. He was born David Webb. He had volunteered to go through the program to become the person he became because he loved his country, America, and he wanted to help America. And he had learned along the way that that got distorted, twisted, and turned into something evil. And now he was at the point in the very end to set it right and to come out from underneath all those lies, all that conditioning that he believed to be true, so he could actually be the man that he was. As a believer, as a person who rests in God, we also need to know who we really are. Who are you? Who did God create you to be? To live brightly, you need to know who you are and who God created you to be. And it may not be what you think. It may not be what you feel, but it is good. It is very, very good. Thanks for joining me. Till next time.